Dragon the Peg is recorded on Treaty 1 territory, the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, the Cree, the Oji Cree, the Dakota, and the Dene peoples, and on the homeland of the Métis Nation. Welcome to Dragon the Peg, a podcast series exploring the lives and careers of drag performers living in Winnipeg, Canada. My name is Graham Hooson, and I'll be your host. Today's guest is celebrating his birthday today, and in the words of Lita Tequila, he's turning 15 for the 10th time. He's been titled the longest twink in Winnipeg, but more importantly, he's known for his insane creativity and energy. This DIY drag thing, or maybe King, I think it's still sort of undetermined, is not only a self-taught costume designer, but his performances are always high-octane and generally packed with very spooky stunts. His excellence in every aspect of drag but his unwillingness to conform to a gendered role made him a must-have guest for this season. And we ended up having a ton of fun. This was probably my favorite episode to edit this season so far. So without further ado, please help me welcome a child of the House of Loren and the Black Moon Coven, my drag brother, Jared. Hi, my name's Jared. Jared, what? <laughs> oh, actually, I'm really glad that you did that. Okay, never mind. I Jared, should, I probably hi. shouldn't clap in the background for myself. That's autism. I'm putting that in right at the very end. Go for it. Okay. Jared, thank you so much for joining me today. Of course. How are you feeling? Good. Are you? Yeah. You told me you were very nervous for this. Well, mostly to hear it. I won't be nervous until I hear it playback, that I'll probably sit in my house like weeping tears of uncomfortable. You know when someone like sings a bit of a song and you don't want it and they're just like in the same room as you and you kind of tear up? Yeah. That'll be me the whole time I listen to this episode. Like out of embarrassment or like because of how inspiring you are? Definitely not the inspirational part. You don't find yourself inspirational? Not particularly. I I mean, people can look up to me, that's fine. I'm used to being tall. People have called you Winnipeg's tallest twink. How do you feel about that? I think it's Winnipeg's longest twink. That's fine. Because then it's a fun play on my age and how long I've been clinging to it, some would say. That's really funny. Yeah. I came up with that. Dirt, maybe? Or dirt just shouts it the most often. I'm not sure. Could be that. How do you feel about that? Pleased. Why? Anything you want to call me is fine by me. Really? Yeah. Well, that leads into a question that I want to ask. First, I think that you're a very, very unique person in the Winnipeg drag scene because you don't tend, you don't, I don't, I don't think that you have much of a label. Like, it's kind of hard to pin you down to like, this is Jared. Jared is a drag queen, drag king, club kid. So, how do you consider yourself in sort of this drag world? Just Jared, which is why I stuck with my name. Yeah, because you tend to, you tend to do like a lot more androgynous stuff, or when you do yeah. specifically gendered things, it's rare i had a name for a bit but then i decided to ditch it because i felt like i had to i was trying to create a persona that fit within that name Mm -hmm. which was kind of the opposite of why i was doing drag in the first place so i figured i'll just keep going with what i've been doing and if people want me to perform while i'm doing it that's great so what was that first name sunday mask why was after a lot of deliberation i just wanted something that was clever because I figured, what's the point if it's not clever? Like, I wasn't just going to pick, like, Becky. Or, like, a non-gender, like, 
Kyle because I didn't want a name that was feminine and I didn't want a name that was masculine. So I went with something that was that has the word fun. masculine in it. Well, it did, but that was because I also liked that like Sunday Mass is obviously a thing. Religion. Oh, that's mm, there the it joke. Is. Wasn't smart, like wasn't clear enough in the name, so I ditched it. But I, that's funny. I guess. I but like it. Most of the time, it took that level of explanation to get to it, and I was like, "This isn't <laughs> worth it." So you went with just Jared. Yeah. Which is just your first name. Yeah. Why? Partially because I didn't pay attention when people were calling me Sunday or yeah. Sunday Mask. It didn't connect. Wasn't really registering with me, and I just it felt weird. It didn't feel like what I wanted to be. Yeah. Like I feel like people are. And always were more likely to just call you Jared than ever Sunday Mask. Yeah. Like, even I don't think I even knew your drag name for the longest time. Even when I was, like, in drag at the bar on a night I was performing, the only time Sunday Mask was said was introducing to the stage Sunday yeah. Mask. Everybody else other than that called me Jared, which didn't bother me at all. So I was like, I'm just going to stick with Jared because it's easy. What do they call those names that's just one name instead of, like, a name and a last name? I don't know. Mana. Moniker? No. Yeah. No, that's a nickname. Mon. Yep. It'll come to me. Eventually, so he'll why... just shout it. <laughs> so I, I feel like maybe there's not an answer to this, but why did you choose not to kind of stick with like a specifically gendered approach to drag? Or was that even a choice to you? Well, my first... Well, not maybe not my first drag look, but my first drag performance look was a cat. Oh, right. So it was kind of hard to put a gender on that. Um, and because I didn't get into drag wanting to become a glamorous woman, and I didn't get into it wanting to have facial hair that I've never been able to grow, I just started doing it because I wanted to be creative and find a way to do it. And it's hard to put a gender on strapping things to your head and gluing things to your face and wearing sheets of fabric over your body. Wow. Yeah. So would you consider yourself to be like a club kid? What would you call yourself? I have a struggle with that. Club kid is fine. I appreciate club kids. I know a couple of them and I admire all of the things that they do. Um, but I feel like club kids perform less often. They're more like a staple look person. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I don't need to put a label on it. Call me whatever you want to call me. Okay, then would you consider what you do drag then? Again, it doesn't matter to me. Really? I, yeah. No, not at all. That's why I always feel bad when people are bothered by the whole, like, my drag's not valid thing. Or, like, other people are saying their drag's not valid. Because in my head, I know people that think that of what I do. And it doesn't stop me from doing what I'm doing. So they can have that opinion all they want. Why doesn't it stop you? Because it has no effect on me putting on heels or putting on boots and sewing the shit out of something and gluing stuff all over my body. Mm -hmm. If that's their thought, that's cool. They can call me what they want. It literally does not change what I'm doing. Interesting. Yeah. I think that's like a, that's a very kind of revolutionary, but also when you break it down, just kind of like a very, I don't know, like ground level sort of approach to drag and sort of performance art well it's kind of yeah in a way in my head it's the simplest way to approach things yeah and kind of the whole like gendered thing and the like determining whether someone's drag is valid or not especially based on gender we've already determined we the gays have determined that that's <laughs> stupid yep 
to like decide who can do drag and who can't do drag but then it also seems like we still impose rigid labels upon performers like queen or king i guess i am um privileged in the fact that people not thinking i'm doing drag hasn't stopped me from getting any opportunities that i've had Mm -hmm. because of the people that i surround myself with and the luck and privilege that i've had so obviously if it came down to the fact that people think that what I do isn't drag and that meant that I didn't have a space where I could go and do it Mm -hmm. then I would probably obviously have more of an issue with it but it's never really confronted me as a problem other than somebody having an opinion of their own that doesn't really affect what I do that's interesting so performing kind of from outside of that binary of of gender and the way that we classify things do you think that it's kind of stupid the way that people who do identify with those labels approach things like you said because there's a lot of nonsense going on with like gender policing and, and garbage I just wish that I could get it through to the people who have, who are being affected by the problem that like, I know it's easier to said than done, but like, just don't worry about it. Yeah. If they call you by the wrong gender, if they tell you that what you're doing is invalid, fuck them. Mm-hmm. Not literally. Don't do that. That'd be problematic. <laughs> but just like realize who does appreciate what you're doing and who does want you to be there and cling to that not the rest of it but again easier said than done that's a really inspirational yeah motivational heartfelt tell me about your life before you started drag (laughs) i was a strange child my sister likes to bring up the fact that i never wanted to go see movies because i got scared seeing the lion king so i ruined her childhood because we couldn't do things as a family (laughs) sorry (laughs) um all my friends were always girls through grades, kindergarten to eh, the end of high school. Yep. Typical. Yep. It got to the point where my mom had the people, parents being like, yeah, your son's the only boy that was invited to the birthday party. She's like, yeah, I've heard that before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That. So no one was surprised, I'm imagining, when I was like, hey, I'm going on a date with a boy. I am a queer. Yeah much less declaration than that it was literally mom i'm going on a date she asked who and i said a boy and then i left for dinner iconic oops <laughs> a dinner how old were you 18 a yeah dinner. i came out late so then like what what were your hobbies tell me about your family tell me more about your family i have a sister mm-hmm. i have a mother mm-hmm. i have a father he passed away oh i'm sorry to hear that thanks um We were always close. I have a lot of extended family. I'm very close to a lot of my aunts, my uncles, my cousins. Yeah, we were tight. Like, I used to see most of my aunts and uncles and cousins and stuff throughout the summer, whether it was us going to where they live or them coming here and stuff like that. Wow. Yeah. And they love to dance too? Oh, yeah. My aunt is one aunt in particular. 70, I think. Jesus Christ. And she can tear up a dance floor like nobody else. Like, she will be doing a full-on jive until 2.30 in the morning. What a woman. Yeah, with a b- glass of red wine in her hand and no spills. Ugh. Yeah. Wait, are you Italian? No. Oh. He's Sounds Ukrainian. Like an Italian thing. Oh, yeah, that, that, that joke sucks. <laughs> Ukrainians go hard. Yep. So you mentioned opportunities and privileges and stuff like that. You've had a lot of really incredible performance opportunities. You've opened for three Rue Girls. Oh, you've done your research. Of course I did. I always yeah. do my research. What's been your favorite sort of opportunity to perform in drag? It doesn't have to be a rude girl. I just put that out there for clout. <laughs> Thank you for giving me some credit to my name. You're welcome. Um, it's really tough to say because 
like obviously I like performing and I have a fun time doing it but that wasn't that was definitely not why I started doing it I didn't want to do it the first time at all I was practically in tears and shaking because I was so nervous but Satina told me I had to do it and I listened I just tell you you had to do it because I put so much time into making that first cat costume I spent hours like gluing wigs together I hand sewed a wig to another wig and like was doing things way beyond my skill level and she was like you need to like have more people appreciate what you've done which was like coming from a good place and also she knew that once I did it I would probably get over that initial fear because she's known me long enough that like I'll be okay so Mm. she just had to push me but I didn't want to be the center of attention that's very interesting and most people would probably disagree with that sentence but (laughs) it did stress me out a lot yeah before you started performing in drag you were doing like looks and stuff like that and you were yeah like designing and creating outfits long before that yeah I had been doing looks I'm gonna say for like six-ish months before that like kind not consistently but more regularly Mm. I've always been a person that's dressed up like grade six spirit week in middle school I fully would go all out for every single day of the week because I was determined to like have costumes and stuff so it's just been progressing since then Mm -hmm. but yeah a bit before I performed I went to New York and I met Parker who was a club kid in a bar and just started talking to him and he introduced me to a bunch of his friends and they were all turning looks as you would say and then when I came back I was like there's not really a space for that in Winnipeg and there's not really people that do it but Mm. the people I'm connected to and close with are the safest place to do it so I'll start experimenting and that's what I did and yeah I got to the point where I was doing it pretty consistently and then yeah Satina was like okay but if you're gonna do this how about we just push you one step further and that's how we got here oh Jesus Christ (laughs) yeah blame her first of all who were those people and what was that space that you started experimenting with I guess the club culture um I would say my first um like concept what's that word catalyst no I don't know my first attempt at a look were all things that I was doing with jinx Mm -hmm. we would kind of do like partner looks and twin looks and stuff whereas like I would base off what she was doing obviously she was 10 times more elevated than what I was doing but I'd be like I'm gonna put something cute on that'll match but that's still more than the jeans and a t-shirt you might see people wearing to the bar Mm -hmm. so we were doing that and then just different events like the cat costume I originally made it to go to Regina Coronation last year I was going with a van full of drag queens and obviously I knew I wanted to dress up and I wanted to like do something fun but I wasn't performing and I wasn't really a drag queen at the time so I just went as a cat because the theme was Broadway oh my god yep so okay first of all context when was this this kind of like first catalyst would you say when I was dressing up in like twinning looks with Jinx probably two and a half three years ago okay and that went on for like I would say a year and a bit and then I know Ryan or sorry Victoria whatever you want to go by had a club kid party yeah and I like went that was the first time where I would say I like went full all out I did a whole eight inch platforms and red and all this jazz I don't know when that was that would have been early 2018 maybe maybe? mid 2018 sure and then Regina Coronation was in September of last year and my first performance was like a year and a week ago that's so interesting because I feel like when people think of you they think of you as like an extremely established performer but really you kind of yeah I'm fresher than peppermint and ruby 
I know, and which is surprising. Moxie for sure. Dirt. Yeah. yeah. And like Cascade and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm old. Yeah, that's that, true. And One foot in the grave. Like I said, obviously, I've been friends with all the drag queens for eight years now. Eight how, or so years. So how did you get involved in that scene before you were performing or even turning on? My first time at Club 200, a lovely lady named Sharon came up to me. Oh, Jesus Christ. I didn't know she was a lady at the time because she was not in drag, but introduced herself as Sharon and said, hi, nice to meet you. Turned around and went back inside and before the door had closed, she had added me on Facebook. Yep. And she's the one that started and then I met like Lita and Victoria and Jinx and Satina and from there just went on and on and on. Wow. Eight years. That's my girl. Yep. Jesus Christ. You were 19. 19 or 20, yeah, like somewhere in there. So I think that's why people tend to think that you're older than you are older in terms of drag years rather than like actual age. Yes, I would agree with that. Weird. I kind of fall in a weird place between like the babies and the established ones. Yeah, Because I've do. known all of them for almost like not the whole time they've done drag, but for the majority of their drag careers, like Lita, Sharon, Satina for sure. Mm. And then... I only actually started doing drag myself, I guess, officially a year ago. So wow, fresher than most of them. Yeah, it's been just over a year. I wonder if that will fit me. All right, we will. So back to that original question: What was what's been your favorite um, experience in drag? Favorite experience, if I could try to encapsulate it was all the stuff I got to do with Begonia through Synonym. Right, That's obviously also fresh in the mind, but just everything about that was such good feelings, such good energy, so much fun. They were two really long days, but I didn't even care just because everybody was the greatest, and it looked so cool, and everything that came out of it was great. It's been a couple of different ventures. Like, you performed with her at real love real love that one was kind of separate just because she approached me herself and asked if me and peppermint wanted to perform with her and kind of bring out some people and see what we could do wow how did that come about how did you meet begonia um djj jackson oh yeah yeah yon introduced me to her at one of her shows and i was i'm not very good at the local music scene Mm. i will admit it I was embarrassed. I got laughed at by my own sister when I didn't know who Begonia was. That's embarrassing. Yeah, well, look at me now, sister. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so Yon introduced me to her. To, like, We went to one of her shows. It was fun. It was really cool. And then Peppermint and I went to one of her shows in drag because it just so happened to be after Callie did the photo shoot with yeah. us. And Imagine we weren't sense. necessarily intending to show up in drag, but it was most convenient. And we were like, yeah, she's cool. It's the Goodwill also. It won't be a problem. So we did it. She said she loved it, and then she asked if we wanted to do a performance with her. Wow, so what was that experience? I hear that you guys had to get ready in a field. Yep. Much to Satina's chagrin, she complained the entire time about how she didn't look good, and she wasn't doing her standard, and it wasn't up to par. But as soon as she was in face and dressed, the complaining stopped, and I think she ended up having a great time. Uh I was living for it because I don't have standards and I loved getting ready in a field with us. The sun, you have to like race the sun going down. And we had one big full length mirror set up that we were like all trying to get ready in and just like winging it and having fun. It was really great. We stayed there until like 3.30 in the morning and then drove home. Ew. Yeah. You didn't sleep there? No. Huh. 
Satina had to do something the next morning. Why didn't And she? we also didn't plan ahead enough to have like a tent and supplies, so we would have just been four people sleeping in a car. Great. Yeah. Could Why it? didn't you get ready in the city and then drive out? Well, we all glued our eyebrows down in the city and then drove out like that, but I was just excited about the idea of getting ready in a field, honestly. I thought it seemed really fun, mm-hmm. and it was more time for like all of us to hang out versus us getting off, because I think most of us worked that day. We all got off work, yeah. and then it would have been just like two hours of getting ready in my bathroom, and then we would have gotten in a car at like 7.30, and drove. I was like, let's just make it more of an event. Mm-hmm. Let's all take the drive out there with our eyebrows glued down. Nice. Let's all get ready in a field, and then let's all spend the night together. And it was fun. Great. Yeah. And then, and then the music video shoot with Synonym. Yes. How'd that go down? That was Prairie Booking. Mm-hmm. TM maybe by at this point she might be her own company. Prairie TM. Yep. Prairie Booking. Yeah. yeah. Um, she asked me to do it, and I said, "Of course, I'd love to." We went to Wheelies, and we spent eight or nine hours doing ridiculous things, being filmed from many angles, and then. Somebody else had to do the hard work of putting it all together and making us look good. B&B Studios. Yes. Thank you, Buyo and Jen. You guys are incredible, and we love you, and that video is really great. Yeah, so talented. When we were all there, we were like, I don't know how this is all going to mash together. They've got a lot of things going on, and then it played, and the first time it played, Ruby and I were just like sitting there, like tapping each other and clutching each other's shoulders. I hear that you did something on wheels, like a split or something on wheelies. Yeah, the four of us, Anita, Ruby, Prairie, and myself, were the, like, head, I don't know what to call us, the lead queens on the project. The stars of the show. Well, not quite. That was the queen herself. Oh, yeah. Um, and they had us in the rental booth, but they weren't getting enough motion, so they asked if anybody could roller skate, and I figured, why not say I can, even though I never had. I did that. Good. And I was skating back and forth across the window, and then for the last note, I was like, I'm going to try to do the splits. Oh, Jesus. And on wheels, that goes a lot better or worse than you wanted to your legs just go all the way apart and you hit the floor were you okay i'm always fine yeah bruising but it's okay i get over it andrew caught it on video and that's what matters that's great yeah i can show you later their mind yeah there was definitely a lot of shrieks all day long actually when i was on roller skates chloe was closing her eyes and covering her face because she was horrified (laughs) that the things i was doing were going to result in injury but i made it out okay did that make the video no the splits? Nope. Didn't uh, make the cut. Not good. Shit. It would have been... It was, like, on the very last ending note. I mean, they probably could have done things to avoid that. But I feel like they didn't want to end the video on me. It was supposed to end on her. True. So it's all right. Wow. And then you guys... Did you perform at the album listening party? Sure did. You did. It was a 12-hour day. Jesus. We got there before 11, uh, noon and stayed until midnight-ish. That's insane. Three performances. There was a lot of downtime in between, which was fun because we all just got to hang out and do whatever. But is that um, hard on you? What? Eleven-hour days in drag. Well, I can't lie about it. I took off most of what I was doing in the two-hour breaks in between. I took off my shoes, my socks, my. I was just wearing a mesh dress, so that was all right. Sensible. Yeah, practical. Stream fear. Or buy it. That's even better. (laughs) (laughs) True. What was your favorite track from the album? I have a special place in my heart for Fear because I got to perform it at Real Love and I got to perform it all three times at the listening party. It's great. Live is even better than the recording because she fully loses herself and just thrashes about, which was really fun to perform with. (laughs) But I also really like Two Beers In and like Hanging on a Line is great. Hanging on a Line just automatically makes me feel good. 
I want to talk a little bit more about your looks because I feel like that's what a lot of people are interested in. It's certainly what I'm interested in. How do you, how do you, how, how do you do it? How do you, how do you do wow, that? Wow, that's big. Yeah, how do you do that? How do I do what How do you part? do that? Well, starts with an idea. Okay. Where right. do you get your inspiration from? All over the place. I would say a lot of the times lately it's been from whatever the gig is mm-hmm. because I am a stickler for a theme. If there's a theme and you're not in it, you shouldn't have come. <laughs> yeah, cutthroat. Um, but a lot of the times I'll see things on Instagram, I'll see things on the internet that I'm just like, wow, that looks cool. What can I do? That's something similar. Just like other creative people that I follow. Or it'll just come to me out of nowhere and I'll get hung up on it and be like, how can I make that into something that I can wear and put on my body? Mm-hmm. And then you go from there. Cool. Yeah. So then where it was, so what's the next step then? It's either... I go to the fabric store and see if I can find a fabric that works for what I want. Hit or miss, hit or miss. And then if that doesn't work out or if I want to do something a little bit more, I usually try to find something cheap that I can build off of. Mm -hmm. Love thrift stores, love Value Village, love secondhand. And then I just go from there. Hot glue gun, sewing machine, lots of safety pins, (laughs) lots of safety pins. Did you have like any sort of like official training or lessons in like sewing and crafting or did you just pick that up I took introductory to sewing out of the Louis Real school guide something or other I don't know Lita found it online and we signed up and took it together Hell yeah! but I was already sewing before that that was just kind of like reinforcing the this is how a machine works and this is what you should do with a stitch it didn't really teach you anything about fabrics and beyond just like how to operate a machine and basics but yeah it was a good like okay now I know that this is what I can do to fix that if it's not working and stuff like that but for the most part it's just staring at something for a long time until I can figure out how to make it work neat how long does it take for you to make like okay I'm thinking specifically your coronation look which was a beautiful pink wedding gown no it was a white wedding gown well I wasn't there (laughs) it was a it was a it was a pink face bikini yep I know that for sure Mm mm-hmm uh, and you had a train that was floating in the air, suspended by helium balloons. Yeah. <laughs> How long did that take you to make? Well, the wedding dress I found at a Value Village for sure. nineteen ninety nine, and I couldn't pass it up because it fit me perfectly, and it was so over the top. Like it's the biggest, fullest skirt I've ever seen, and the top was all nicely beaded and stuff. So I got that. But again, I didn't want to just wear the wedding dress because I do what I do because I like to create things and make things so I needed to make it more fun um, and then I had seen on Instagram like two or three years ago a V Files runway where the finale was a girl coming out in a wedding dress that had big plumes all over it and her veil was suspended in air by helium balloons and I was like you know what I want to try that it sounds practical and like where better to do it than the Fort Gary where there's vaulted ceilings Yeah. so I tried it um, I added bows all over the dress I made myself gloves I made myself a mask I wrapped my heels in ribbons so they looked kind of like ballet flats or whatever those are called. Mm-hmm. Point shoes. That's the word. Sure. Um, and then the veil was a very last minute effort. I didn't really have a chance to test it out. So it yeah. ended up going sky high because I didn't have ways to weight it. I literally put it together in Brianna's hotel room using balloons provided by Alan from Club 200. Oh, yeah. thanks, Alan. Yeah. Shout out. And did, but, it, did, you, did you pull up? Did you, how'd you feel about it? I really liked it. I do wish that obviously the veil hadn't just gone all the way up, but I knew that that was going to be a problem as soon as I came into like 
agreeing to the idea. I was like, well, this is just something I'm going to have to come to terms with. But overall, like the whole look I really liked. I was very surprised by what I managed to do with the bit of makeup that I was wearing. My eyes looked cool. I'd never really attempted something like that before, and it worked out. The Lord's Day coronation. <laughs> Lord's Day. So tell me about, okay, so tell me about a look that you create, like, head to toe. How long would that take you? Well, it depends, because I don't usually start from complete scratch. Well, there's been, like, two or three times. The outfit that I wore to Gooped, I think it was, mm-hmm. that was, like, houndstooth. That was, oh, like, yeah. big flowy pants, and I made a structured top. Right. That took me quite a few hours, because the top I sewed in boning which I'd never done before and it was like four or five pieces to make it fit over my shoulders nicely to the point that I got super lazy when making the pants and just cut two pants shapes out and stitched them together Wow! (laughs) and then put an elastic in the waist and the ankles sometimes it's that easy yep but it's hard to say because I spend a lot of time just looking at it and trying to figure out how I'm gonna make it do what I want to do before I cut things I'm also very hesitant in that way because I don't want to waste fabric and supplies and do something and then have to take it back and whatnot. So it's hard to put an actual expenditure of hours, but way more than I should. <laughs> Interesting. What's your favorite look that you've ever done? Is it the cats one? Oh, God. No. Like the first cats? Because looking back on that, I don't like it. But my most recent cat was better for Moxie's show. That was oh, yeah. fun. Um, favorite look I've ever done? Coronation's up there. I really liked that. I was a pretty big fan of what I wore to Nuit Blanche. That was like something that I'd seen in my mind for a long time. I really wanted to do like mixing patterns, but kind of try to make them look nice because mm-hmm. I see it done so often and it seems like such a challenge. And I liked how that turned out. My fun fascinator headpiece. I'll probably be making oh, more of those. Oh, the feather one. Yeah. <gasps> yeah, that was good. Yeah. Just a quick craft that worked out very well. It was really great. Yeah. I like my looks in the moment but often I look back at pictures and I was like well I could have improved that by doing this and this and this but I guess that's part of what growth is is seeing how you can improve it mm-hmm. what's your least favorite look oh what's your least favorite look no your least favorite look of mine my least favorite look yeah, of yours I the cat know. one which cat one the cat one just any of the cat one you don't like cats I don't <laughs> like cats like the musical I like but I don't like the animal I'm fine with the animal I don't <sighs> like I don't care for the, the musical but Memory is the best song it is the from best any musical. Drag song. Is that the song that goes with it? Like Cats the musical? Or no, my performance? With your performance. What's the song that goes with the performance? The first time I did it, it was This Is Me from The Greatest Showman. But oh. I refused to do that. No, when I did it a year and a half ago, it was just on the outs. And I did it as a joke. But this year, I didn't do that because I, it's too far gone to be funny anymore. Yeah. Um, and then last year featured the Meow Mix jingle. The My Neck, My Back by Kia, Kia, I don't know her name. And sure. then What's New Pussycat? Oh, okay. This time was Memory by Nicole Scherzinger's version because we stand the Pussycat dolls. And then after that, it turned into My Neck, My Back. And then it went back to Memory. I think the reason why I just don't like it is because there's like a... I think that I have to come to terms with the fact that there's a very small, fine line between furries and drag yep uh, so so fine that peppermint commented why did you post furries on my timeline when i posted a photo <laughs> of my outfit from that night yeah it's because it's definitely furry-esque but i just feel like the intention might be different but not even really because drag is performative furries. 
I don't understand furries either, and I, I respect furries, and that's yeah, totally I, okay. I just, I'm I couldn't tell of, you what the difference is between what I did other than I didn't have a whole, like, head on. I'm proud of you being a furry. I have no issues with you I'm being a furry. I'm still discovering myself. <laughs> it's a journey. It's, yeah, I just I just think that it, it forces me to come to terms with, with um, an uncomfortable truth. Al Gore. <laughs> that's an inconvenient truth. Yeah, both. So you've been around the scene for about eight years. Yeah. You've seen the progression of a lot of drag performers. You've seen a lot of eras come and go. What excites you most about Winnipeg drag? Right now, I would say just how alive it is. Yeah. Be- not not to shade any of the ones that I've been friends with for a long time, but they were the only, they were holding it down for a very long time before people came around and actually like started joining in. So mm-hmm. props to them for carrying on with what they were doing and like holding strong, knowing that or hoping that something better would come. Mm-hmm. Well, shouldn't have said better. <laughs> something more expanding would come. And I think it really is right now compared to what I used to see. Yeah, I don't think that there's any shame in saying that, and any mistruth in saying that the scene's definitely evolved to become vaster. I mean, you yourself are kind of proof of that. You're a performer that doesn't really confine to the standards of what drag is. Yeah, I would, like, not that I know everybody or was friends with everybody, but I I would say that 90% of what the city knew of drag was men performing as women. Yeah. And more often than not, it was a high fashion glamorous kind of woman like mm. pageanty drag or like court drag more or yeah. less that makes sense yeah and now it feels like that's almost like the exception definitely <laughs> like like it feels like that is as it feels like that is as exceptional as anything else in the scene yeah like you're just as likely to see women or afab people do femme drag as likely to see somebody being spooky and weird as you are to see somebody wearing big earrings and an updo like probably even more likely yeah but i mean i think it also it takes time to become i don't want to say that what people are doing isn't polished but like oh no this isn't gonna end well it's it's harder to come out looking 100 percent put together and expensive when you're just starting out because you're gonna have to invest a lot more than you can do with like okay i made this wig look cool and edgy versus like there is not a hair out of place and these diamonds are real. Satine and Run wasn't born in a day. No. <laughs> Wait. That's pretty good. Well, yeah, I mean I, I do think that it's it's easier to look edgy and eclectic. Eclectic on a budget than it is to look expensive on a budget. I mean yeah. that's kinda contradictory, I think. Or I think it, it would be expensive on a budget. Expensive good on luck. a budget. Yeah. I yeah, because means. even, like, I mean, drag queens like to joke about the fact that everything that we do is cheap, but when you consider the garments and the wig and the makeup and the and the accessories, even if they are, like, whatever, 10 bucks from Amazon, that shit adds up. Oh, yeah, because you need one of everything for every occasion. Yeah, and now people are going out on stage without any wigs on. Hi. <laughs> How do you feel about that? Oh, you? I don't wear wigs. I mean, yeah. I have twice. They've been borrowed. Yeah, I've never. I bought a wig from Aldo one time. It lasted about five minutes or four seconds of the performance from and then Aldo? was gone. Yeah. They had it as a leftover from Halloween. Found it online and paid $10. The red one that everybody loves that I cut myself. Ew. Is that the one that you did? Um... Decepticon with? Yeah. Yeah. And then I spun and it flew off my head. Yeah. What a shame. Yeah. Well, like I said, I don't wear wigs. Um, Partly because I can't handle them getting stuck in my face. Another part of... I dance like a flailing idiot. Me too. And I would either rip them off myself or 
there's just one less place for heat to escape my body and I would just become a puddle even faster. Mm-hmm. And I've put a lot on and they usually just make my face look very long. Mm-hmm. Plus they cost more money so I can just style my own hair or put something else on my head that's less daunting. Yeah, you dance kind of like epileptically. Yeah, I think I'm doing good things while it's happening. And then I watch the performances back and I'm like, oh boy. Not in a bad way. Well, not in a great way. It's energetic and it's fun. Yeah, manic maybe, again. Yes, manic. Yeah. Highly. But in my head, I think like, oh, that was a good eight counts of choreography. And then I see it and I was like, where did that happen? What are those arms doing? (laughs) How How did you learn how to be so bendy and wild? And does that take a lot out of you? As a grandma. <laughs> um, I've been the star of family weddings and socials since birth. Yeah. My whole family, every like every family wedding I've ever been to, and there were lots because I have 40 cousins. Okay. Um, my family is a dancing family. Everybody gets up and dances from the time it starts to the time it stops. Mm-hmm. So I never really had a care or a concern about that. So that kind of... Not that I'm going to say I'm a good dancer, but I'm a free dancer. <laughs> I think you're... But also, you can pull stunts. Like, you can do splits on roller skates, which for mm. other people would, like, seriously, fatally damage them. I... Yeah. My body is flexi-bendy. Mm. Um, my splits are usually unplanned. Same as... I, ac- I accidentally did a front handspring at the Monique Hart show. <laughs> because I knew that I could do it and I thought my song was over and I posed and then there was more time and I was like, gotta do something big and I ran into the front handspring at this crowd. But those more or less happen spur of the moment and I haven't particularly injured myself yet, but I have had a couple sore Sunday mornings when I'm like, oof, that was a pull. Have you ever, like, have, have you rehearsed that? Like, is that stuff that you knew that you could do because you've worked on it? Like, were you ever, like, a gymnast? I took leisure guide gymnastics in grade three. Iconic. So I was very good at doing cartwheels and handstands. And I couldn't really do the splits, but then I eventually just was like, I'm going to try it. And when you throw yourself into it, it's really, it's easier to do it all the way than it is to stop. (laughs) Yeah, I guess it's mostly just like the fear that holds a lot of people back. Yeah, and once the momentum starts, it's hard to quit it. Yeah. But yeah, I just, like, I knew I could do them before I did them in a performance. And then I was like, well, throw them down here. Huh. Yeah. So... That seems like it was like a vestigial talent. So you came into the scene eight years ago. You were already crazy about costumes. Mm -hmm. You were already a crazy good dancer. Mm -hmm. You could already do a bunch of stunts. Why didn't you debut earlier? I don't know. Because there wasn't a place for... Because I didn't want to be a drag queen. Mm -hmm. That looked like a lot of work. And it's hard to do cartwheel and splits and a gown and a big wig. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really know what to do. And also just like finding myself that didn't happen when I was 19 that took some time so I was I used to be terrified and shy and timid so I would not even have thought about becoming a performer or a drag queen so then what was that catalyst seven years later besides Satina everyone else is doing it no like Um, all the kids did the kids was it kind of that like revolution that got you into gear I don't know I just got to the point where I was like stop telling yourself no and say yes and just see what happens and it worked really well in my opinion (laughs) I think you're doing great and a year later how do you feel good I love it I love all the people that I've met that I've known that I continue to get to associate with 
I love that I have something to do to fill my free time with, sometimes too much, because there's always an outfit that I want to make or there's always something I want to try to see if I can pull off in terms of crafting something or less often performance-wise, but sometimes I have an idea for a performance that I really want to try. And it's just fun that I have that spot for that. Interesting. Is there anywhere specific that you want to go with it? Or is this like a hobby for you? I would say I'm probably more of a hobbyist than most. Mm -hmm. Partly because I never... I started doing drag before I planned on doing drag, so I never had a time to, like, set up all these goals and things for myself. Like, I know other people have, like, come into it with, like, a mindset of, like, I want to do this and then to get to this point and then I want to take it here and I want to go to this stage and stuff. But, like, I was already running with it before I had a chance to think about those things. Mm -hmm. And now I'm too busy thinking about next weekend to think about (laughs) what I want to do and where I want to go with it. Yeah. So mostly I'm just living in it and enjoying it, but obviously the bigger the better. I think that's the moral of drag. (laughs) Jared, thank you so much for joining me today on Driving the Peg. Of course, thanks for asking for my input and my thoughts on things. Thank you so much to Jared for sitting down with me. Our next guest is yet another legend, one who's left their mark on more than just the drag world. She's a champion jigger and a teacher of the traditional Métis dance with one of the most incredible stories I've had the chance to record for Dragging the Peg. Here's a clip from her episode. There's always that scared thought is always going to be there no matter what. Even even when you're doing drag, when you're putting on a dress, there's always that scared thought that you're going to get bullied or you're going to get gay bashed or a snowball thrown at you or a rock or that's always going to be there mm-hmm. that feeling there's no there's nothing even that's even going to let you get away from that feeling mm-hmm. every drag queen feels it no matter what even in their own even their own people they feel it with mm-hmm. it's always going to be there that that thought so well that's maybe just me but, but mm-hmm. I feel that that feeling is always going to be there of fear thank you so much to Claire Boning of Veneer for the incredible intro and outro music and as always remember to always tip your local drag performers her and she's great and I can't wait till she wins her first few Grammys as Mr. Howard from the radio said is his name Moonshine or Manshine what <laughs> just got what that. are you talking about he came to the tallest poppy on listening day Mr. Moonshine Mr. Howard Manshine I don't listen to the radio Howard Manshine is that his name that's what I, I was asking know. you oh god this isn't good 